Live Feisties, If We Were Riding with Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross, is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive, uplifting messages such as, actually, I can, and she believes she could, so she did, and is designed to fit all body types. You can get 20% off with the code RIDING, as in, if we were, and shipping is free for orders over $75. And remember, you're buying in Canadian dollars, so it's a lot less in US dollars. And you can have all of this at askkickerinkinkwithak.com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, and contains all natural ingredients. Their bars, sticks, and jerky are made with tender gourmet cuts of meat and crafted flavors with elevated yet simple ingredients. You can get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at cravejerky.com. Hey Kelly, happy new year. How is your new year so far? So far, so good. I uh, I wanted to, right now at the top of the podcast, ask you some advice about one of my new year's resolutions. So I feel like I never have enough time to do the things I want to do. And I know you told me one time that you're like a time management expert. So <laughs> I'm an expert in time management. I got put on a panel one time to explain how to manage your time to like a thousand people at AOL. So <laughs> FYI. Exactly. So I'm asking the right person. So lay it on me. Well, here's what I had to tell those people at AOL. There is no secret. There is no secret to time management. There is no app that's going to like make it easier. There's no like special fancy checklist you can get on your phone. Cause that's what everybody always wants, right? Mm -hmm. All you have to do is like write down the things you need to do and then do them. And I think a lot of time management comes to like a poor planning and a lack of priorities. If you are always not doing the thing at the bottom of the list, it's because you don't actually want to do it, right? It's not because you're like choosing, you're choosing not to do it because you don't want to do it. So I think that's always like the first thing is like acknowledging like which things are actually priorities and which things can you actually do. And then like planning how long things are going to take. It drives me nuts when people are like, oh, I have an hour workout. So that should only take me an hour. No, it takes like the time to go to the workout, to do the workout, to cool down from the workout, to change, to shower, to eat, then to get on to your next thing. Plan appropriately. God. Yeah. I mean, my problem is, is that I really want to do too many things. And so like you said, and so and then I get my priority list going. Right. But what I really would like is maybe like a machine that can change the time space continuum or something to create me like a couple extra hours in the day. Right. So I don't think that's a good New Year's resolution. <laughs> I think it's the best New Year's resolution. <laughs> so what you're what I'm hearing, Sarah, is you need to prioritize. Okay. You need to make some choices, tough choices. Okay. I have to be realistic. Right. Okay, so in one realistic item on my agenda for January 2017 is that I might be going to the Triathlon Business International Conference here at the end of the month. Okay, I like how that's a goal. I might go. (laughs) I think you're going to need to explain what TBI, which sounds like a urinary tract infection, what TBI is (laughs) to our listeners. Okay, so the Triathlon Business International Conference is basically 
apparently where a lot of the leaders in triathlon meet. Like, so for example, this year, like they just announced that Andrew Messick is speaking there. The With CEO, the head of Iron Man. Yes, right, okay. the CEO of Iron Man and Rocky Harris, I believe he's called, who's the president, I think. No, the CEO of USAT. Yeah, of USA Triathlon, the yeah. new one. Yeah, the new one. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they have a lot of influential people in the room. A lot of industry people meet there. And presumably a lot of decisions are made about the future of triathlon every year at this conference. I don't know that it's so much that, I mean, we were talking about this. I don't know that it's decisions are made so much as the decision makers talk to each other. And it certainly influences, you know, the direction things will take this year and potentially next year and, you know, down the line. Um, Because if this is, if these are the heads of the industry, the titans of the industry, and they're all in the same room and they're talking about the issues of the industry and what they want to do, it certainly affects the decisions. We we also met there well, we did two years ago we yes. did yes we did so I mean really you meet cool people there that's another right. reason to go you meet the heads of the industry there is what we're saying <laughs> exactly exactly so you <laughs> might go I might go. So my problem is, is that I've been asked to be on a panel about diversity in, I think it's a a panel for race directors. So it's specifically about like increasing diversity or being more inclusive or in, in races and how to encourage more people to race, I suppose. But one of my problems is, is that I have been, been part of that same conversation at TBI the last two years one was specifically about women and then another diversity panel last year and I didn't feel like I was that effective at moving the conversation forward partially because I didn't feel like people were really listening does that make sense oh I've been to TBI it makes sense so I mean I think the pros of TBI are that you have the decision makers in a room, you have the potential to like talk to them to influence the conversation. The cons of TBI are that a lot of times they're talking to each other and they're all just in this room talking to each other and it's not really outside voices coming in. I think I pretty much just summed that up, right? Like those are the pros and the cons, right? Pretty much. Like I really don't want to endorse that kind of space in which there's like the same people talking to each other and never moving forward. But at the same time, I feel like getting in there and at least like lobbing a few balls into the ring could help. So what do you think? Should I go? (laughs) This is, we're leaving this question to our listeners. Should Sarah go to TBI? I am not going to TBI. Should Sarah go? (laughs) We'll take a poll. It'll be great. Okay. Poll. Good idea. Good idea. Okay. So Kelly, in the newsletter, you sound like you're kind of hating on New Year's resolutions. Like why do you hate New Year's resolutions? I don't hate New Year's resolutions. That's terrible. I'm not like hate. I don't hate people for trying to get healthy or lose weight. Like I'm not a horrible human being. I think that making the resolutions only part of the goal, part of the the process. Mm -hmm. But also my big issue is with is with capacity, right? Like if we all decide to overhaul our lives at the same time, the world doesn't have the capacity for us to all do that successfully. And this is obviously like very true at the gym and like you see it, you know, there's literally like not enough room for everyone to swim at the same time. Whereas if we all spread out our overhauling our swimming over the course of the year, that pool is empty in March. Like I have been there, come in March, like start your year in March, who gives a shit, right? But it's also capacity on a like, I think emotional, mental level. I was trying to like explain this to you a little Mm -hmm. bit, but I think basically if you think about the gym, just because the gym is like kind of our stereotypical New Year's resolution example. Mm-hmm. I answer a lot of questions of people at the gym. People are always asking me like what wetsuit they should buy, what shoes, like how can they get in triathlon? Like, oh, I look like I race. Should they do a race? And like I am to- and I totally answer like everybody's questions. I like talk to lots of people. But when all of those questions 
like from the whole year cram into one day. Like I can't support and help and answer all those people at the same time. I have to like do my workout too. And so I think there's that whole larger capacity. I don't know. I don't know. I live in like a tourist area too. And I see this all the time because we get like all the tourists come on the same time at the same day. And there are, and they hit me with their car, with their rental car while I'm biking. And they like run over people with their horse, right? Like they don't know what they're doing. And that's fine when there's just one of them. But when there's thousands, I get killed on my bike. And that's like a bad thing. Right. So you feel like maybe if we took, say, like the population of North America and divided it into like 365 and everybody had like the day right to do their resolutions it would be like spread out right and so then we could like all start at different times and it would like space it'd be like a rolling start even though i'm against those in triathlon it'd be great a rolling (laughs) rolling start for resolutions I love it. Okay. So I I think for me, my main problem is that I really feel like making a resolution to do something or changing something in your life, it doesn't come down to one decision. Like that actually you have to follow through on that like every single day. So it's not really even about one day. Like the one day, the resolution day might be just deciding what you want to do, but really like the biggest part of that is actually getting up and doing it every day. Right. Because it's easy to be like, I am going to work out every morning. But if you never worked out before, then odds are that it's going to be hard (laughs) to just go from zero to like 100%, which is why we know, like I find the psychology and like science of goal setting and motivation and all that stuff like really interesting. So we like know that on a practical level, it's like better to set like these little small step goals, like coming to you and telling you, Sarah, I want to do a sub 10 hour Ironman. Well, okay, actually, that's like realistic for me. But you know what I'm saying? For somebody who that wouldn't be realistic for would be crazy. But if you say like, well, I want to swim three times this week, like that's a realistic like step. Mm-hmm. So you need those little steps are like how we achieve our goals. But you need the big thing, the like sub 10 hour Ironman to stay motivated because otherwise you don't stay like this is true. They like study like you need the big right. goal for motivation. Right. So you need that big goal, like take the resolution goal, put it on a post-it note and put it on the wall. But that's mm-hmm. not actually what like if you're going to do a 10 hour Ironman, you don't just get up and do it the next day. You have all the sub goals that you have to actually right execute yeah for me from like a coaching perspective I feel like a lot of people don't understand necessarily what they're committing to when they make a goal so the 10-hour Ironman is a good example because people come to me all the time want to do 10-hour Ironman but then when I give them 15 hours of training they're like whoa (laughs) wait a second (laughs) like I can't train this much so then it's a matter of readjusting so you know for me like you're not going to get a huge pat on the back for making the resolution, but when you finish a hard workout or you get to the finish line in 10 hours, then I'll give you the pat on the back. Nice. It is an important step though, honestly, because we were talking about this though, when you were saying that deciding is not the same as doing, that is true, except that you can, like it was a big difference for me. There's a big step that happens when you decide you're just going to get your workout done every day, right? Like it no longer is a question for me, like whether or not I'm going to do my workout, which takes away like a huge mental hurdle. Um, Like there's all these studies about willpower and like decision-making, like our decision-making abilities go down over the course of the day. Uh, We have like a limited capacity for will, like amount of willpower. And we use it up on like small decisions, like that literally creates mental fatigue. This is true. This is why like CEOs wear the same outfit every day because they don't want to expend mental energy on like picking their clothes. This is like a true thing. And it's also really trendy in San Francisco. And so when you when you make the decision that I'm just going to do my workout, like I'm not going to think about doing my workout. I'm not going to like be like, well, I don't know. I don't feel good. Like, how am I going to fit it in? Like, I don't know. It's raining now. Like, should I move it to tomorrow? 
if you just get rid of like all of that, it clears up like a huge amount of mental energy and willpower and like decision fatigue and you just like do it. So to me, deciding that I'm just going to do my workout every day was like, is like actually a really big, important step. You have to like do it then. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think you're coming to the crux of the issue in terms of motivation to, especially with a training goal or a triathlon related goal. And I think a lot of it has to do with emotional control too, or not allowing your emotions to make a decision about like how you're feeling in the morning when you're deciding, like when you wake up, should not decide whether you're going swimming or not, unless you're like sick, like properly sick and right, good, right, right, or right. you're injured in some way that's going to hurt yourself. Like there's a line for sure, but that line is way further down than a lot of people allow it to be. Which obviously is why people have coaches. So they don't do the whole self-coaching. So I, like I used to do this all the time. I would be like, oh my God, I'm out of shape. And I would go like totally nuts for a week or two post-resolution and like work out. And then I'd be exhausted exhausted. I'd be like, well, recovery is important too. You need to rest. And then I would like skip all my workouts for a week or so. And then I'd be like, oh my God, I'm out of shape. And I would like start going nuts again. It was terrible. It was not a good plan. So, right. when you so have there you go. Coach, it goes better. <laughs> There's Kelly's example of what not to do. <laughs> no, I, I definitely think that's, that is, that is what I hear repeatedly from a lot of the women say that we interview the successful women, like on iron women who have won multiple Ironmans. That is a big marker of success is this ability to put your emotions to the side to be able to get the workout done basically or your workouts for that day like you're doing it anyway it doesn't matter how you feel or what you're thinking yep I think my coach told me one time I don't give a fuck how you feel so there you go this is perfect advice yeah. perfect advice okay so let's move to some triathlon predictions for 2018 okay Kelly, what are your okay my predictions for performances so what athletes do you think are going to shine this is going to sound crazy I think Daniela has hit her peak I think I'm not saying Ooh. that she isn't amazing. I'm not saying she's not a crazy good athlete, but I think we all know that she has like a lifespan because she's very like raced very hard, trained very hard. And I think she's going to be done in the next, maybe not this year, maybe next year, but like she, I think is, is on the backside of the peak is coming down. If that makes sense. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. My prediction for the women is that Lucy Charles, who's just had this massive breakthrough I think she might falter a little, like she might get a, have an injury or struggle a little bit. And then after she gets through that, she's going to come back like crazy, scary, like basically take Daniela's place as reigning queen. Aren't you just kind of playing the odds on that? Like she hasn't had an injury, so she probably will have one. <laughs> I, I actually don't know if she has had an injury or not, but I do know that when I first started, my coach told me that it's like a common pattern for people to have when they have success like you come into the sport you become a pro you have really early success now lucy's success was like 10 times mine whatever what? but no. <laughs> but you have early success and then you struggle like it's a typical pattern for people to follow and it turned out to be true and when i've watched uh when i've watched other athletes too it's like the same way. Like it's hard to like you get to like a certain level and then imagine like she was second in Kona. I know there's only one place up from there. Right. Like maintaining the intensity of that and coming back and like winning next year is is a big ask. So I say she'll have a little falter year and then boom, like Lucy is going to be coming okay. at us 2019. Okay. Mm -hmm. On the guy's side, I think uh, the Brownleys, I mean, 
this isn't like a prediction. Javier Gomez said he's moving up to the iron or not moving up, but he's targeting it. And I think the Brownleys are going to be all following suit. And I think once they're at, like, it's going to be a totally, it's going to be an interesting race. It is. And I think Lionel Sanders is going to continue to make it interesting as well. Like he's a guy, unlike Lucy, I don't think he's going to falter. I think he's going to just keep on going. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's probably all the drugs he did back in the day. And my last prediction is that the German, German woman, Anne Hogg, who we saw, she had a couple great 70.3 races at the end of the season, 2017. I think she might be our next 70.3 star. And and I, I'm saying this partially, I have a little insight because I used to train with her back when I was on Darren's squad. And I know that she can run like hell. And I think she'll, she'll be a, and bike like hell too. So she'll be a tour de force in long course. So that'll be exciting to see. Here's my random, my random uh, 70.3 prediction I'm making. I'm, my gut, Sarah True. I think she had some issues she was working out this year, but even with those issues, she was like fourth at Worlds, right? Yeah. And like one, anyway, I think she's worked those out. And I think we're going to see what you were just saying about you struggle a little and then you come back. I think she's going to be coming back pretty strong this yeah. year. She's a, she's a tough nut, that one. What about industry? Industry wide, like what do we feel? Like what are we feeling is going to happen? Yeah, like give me your your. What are you vibing? My vibing. I mean, I'm vibing on swim run right now. It feels very. It feels very in. I've me been too. trying to convince editors of this. This is this is the thing. It's about to blow up in the U.S. Like it's been big in Europe. They finally have some big race, like a big race here going into a second. They're going to announce a whole bunch of new races in North America soon. It's going to be huge here. FYI, I agree. I'm actually doing a swim run event this year. Um, I might be one here in Victoria. Yeah. And for, see, it's blowing up already. <laughs> you and I are doing We're it. doing it. It's going to be huge. FYI. <laughs> so swim run events, just for anyone who doesn't know, like you're self-contained, right? So most people like swim in their running shoes. A lot of people will like have literally, you're allowed to use toys as well within certain parameters. I so, think you're allowed to use a pull buoy and paddles, right? Pull buoy and paddles. To me, that's why it's a perfect event. Running okay. and then swimming with pull buoy and paddles is like literally the two things I was good at in triathlon. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a pretty fast paddle pull swimmer. So there we go. It's going to be my thing. Perfect. So people run, like they run with like the pull boy sometimes like attached by a special strap to their thigh and you carry your paddles. You have to carry, in the event I'm doing, you have to carry your own hydration and nutrition. That's normal too, right? Oh, really? I don't know. I suppose I should look into this more. The one we're, do- we're planning on doing is like going to take like seven hours. So I suppose I should look into food You should probably do some research about nutrition. Yeah. yeah. And mine, you have to be self-contained and you have to carry, like there are rules. You have to carry at least a liter of water for your team. Like you do it in teams of two usually. Um, mine's only, it's 28K and there's four swims and four runs in that distance. So I don't know how technical the runs will be. So I'm guessing it's going to be like three hours-ish for mine. But yeah, it's interesting. It's like half adventure race. There's no biking. Yeah. It's the new thing. I Yeah, it's going to blow up. I mean, I think a lot of these kind of like quasi-adventure races are blowing up. You were talking about gravel racing, um, which I still don't understand. I don't understand the appeal of gravel racing. I'm telling you, Kelly, it's like Xterra, but without the like tough technical mountain biking, right? So you can just <laughs> like r- bike off the road just on a dirt trail. It's a thing. I know. It's it's huge around here, and everybody's been trying to convince me of this for the last year, but all their stories are always like, and then I slogged through the dirt for 10 hours, and it was terrible. You're like, why would I want to do that? Because adventure, Kelly, adventure. Adventure, adventure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I think we're going to continue to see people trying to find 
this thing that speaks to them, right? Like the weird adventure, the kind of like something that's filling that need. Uh, Cause when you look like across the industry, multiple industries, you know, running, cycling, triathlon, everything, that is what you're seeing is like these kind of like, like trail running's blowing up still, you know, that hole in our lives, Sarah, people are trying to fill it. Right. That's what it right. is. And even though you don't understand the gravel, the world understands the gravel, Kelly. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. So and my other industry, my last industry prediction is that Live Feisty Media, if we were riding the Iron Woman podcast, it's going to grow quickly. Like it's going to explode. It's going to blow up. Yeah. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inc with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, crave with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton and our social media coordinator is Helen Positor. Okay, so before we go, Kelly, I'm wondering, do you get some feedback about the newsletter? I do. People email me like every week with like a little bit of feedback. And my mom emails me, of course, almost every week. And she usually, it's usually something like, oh, that article made me so mad, so I donated to the charity. Or she'll be like, oh, I don't know about these races. Like she always has thoughts, even though she's never done a triathlon. This week, her thought was, I clicked on that Javier Gomez story because I was just hoping there would be pictures of him. So, <laughs> so your mom's sweet on Javier? Yeah, he's dreamy, don't you know? <laughs>